gaga, there you are, and in your face on 3CR with James. Our guests today are Austin Fabry Jenkins, the new co-convener of the Victorian Pride Lobby, and a bit later on the show, Mr Co joins us in the studio to have a chat and play their new single tonight. But I do have Austin Fabry Jenkins, the new co-convener of the Victorian Pride Lobby, on the phone. Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, James. And also, thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. No one ever gets it right first time. <laughs> oh, look, it's really exciting that you've been elected. Congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. I've, I've been in the acting position as the co-convener for probably the last six months, and I'm very excited to be kind of the official one now, along with my other co-convener, Liam. So I think we've got a lot of good plans and a really great committee uh, working with us, so it's going to be fantastic. And what a combination, you and Liam Elphick at the helm. Yeah, I think so. I think we bring two very different sets of skills. Um, Liam understands policy and legal stuff better than I will ever understand. I don't know how he does it. And I kind of bring that campaigning side because my day job is working in the union movement. So I think it's a great combo. Yeah, and a great political combo combination. You know, great nous there, uh, great campaigning skills. Uh, what are your policy priorities? What would the lobby like to see happening in the next term of government, whoever wins? Oh, well, I guess our main priority for next year, it's going to be a really exciting time because it'll be the first time in quite a while where we haven't had an election and hopefully we won't all be locked down due to COVID. So the main thing that we'd be looking towards is actually going to be the state budget um, and really making sure that we're working with lots of different queer community organisations. Aside from that, you know, with that budget, it's really about making sure that services are getting properly funded that they're getting put into the right places and that uh, as much as funding as possible is staying within our community. So ensuring that community-controlled organisations are are properly funded. We've seen a lot of events and fun things and festivals uh, receive a lot of funding over the last couple of years. It's just really important to make sure kind of the less fun and less romantic stuff is getting funded as well, like healthcare, housing, social services, all those types of things. What about law reform? What are the lobby's law reform priorities for the next term of government? At this stage, in terms of law reform, it's really just continuing on with whatever legislation the next government passes, ensuring that a queer lens is applied. Uh, So, for example, in the last term, we had the affirmative consent legislation uh, passed through, as well as the decriminalisation of sex work. And there's still going to be some significant work to be done on the Justice Working Group, ensuring that queer people and queer experience is represented in reforms such as that. And, of course, we've got to ensure that intersex people are having human rights granted to them and are no longer having non-consensual surgeries being performed on their children, which is going to be a major priority, I think, for the whole queer community to really back up the intersex community in that. Absolutely. And I guess you'll be pushing for more visibility around policy, but also funding for more marginalised sections of the LGBTIQ community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've had a pretty big role in the last couple of years, particularly around talking about police reform um, and the presence of police at Pride. So I personally am very keen to continue that work because we know that the over-policing of uh, certain marginalised communities impacts queer people within those communities more. That's how intersectionality works. 
And we know that many marginalised queer people, you know, particularly queer people of colour and trans people, currently don't feel safe around the police. So we want to ensure that we're working within government to make Victoria police practices better and to ensure they're held to account. The other side of that is just today one of our committee members brought up that we really need to be looking at prison reform uh, and services for former incarcerated people and particularly queer people. So I think that is a really interesting space that we could potentially be looking at in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I think that's something we don't hear much about. Uh, What should the government be doing in, in that area? Because it is overlooked. Oh, I mean, uh, personally, I'm an abolitionist, um, but obviously we want to be making sure that trans people are being put in, if they have to be put into a prison or held in remand, that they're being held in a safe way and to ensure they're being, having their gender identity recognised and have access to healthcare. Uh, personally, I like to see prison being the last option for people who are convicted and would like to see more community corrections orders. But this is something that we haven't kind of worked out the full policy on within the lobby. So it's something that we would want to discuss with specialists as well to make sure we've got a really cohesive message around that. And I guess mental health as well. I mean, the government's building more prisons, you know, creating more prison beds, and there's not enough mental health beds. And often what that means is that mental health is effectively criminalised. People are put in prison when really they need to be in hospital. Yeah, absolutely. And we did see some increases to mental health funding during uh, COVID, which was really great. And I think some of the results that we saw that, you know, actually we were able to keep people's mental health fairly under control during COVID lockdowns and things like that was a result of that increased funding. And it shows that being able to fund services correctly that way does have a good impact across the community, not just with queer communities. And I guess for us in terms of mental health, it's really about ensuring that a a good proportion of the mental health funding that goes out remains with community-controlled organisations. Uh, So Thorn Harbour recently did a fantastic election submission, which basically called for the government to allocate 7 to 10% of all funding towards community-controlled organisations on the basis that 7 to 10% of the population is LGBTIQ. So it's just to ensure that not only are services that we access culturally sensitive and culturally relevant, that actually our community can assist our community in a mutual aid kind of way. You mentioned police marching at the Pride March for for midsummer. Now that's an issue that's been bubbling away for years. Um, seems to go in ebbs and flows. There's been a you know fairly concerted effort in drips and drabs on this over the last couple of years. Um, the Trans Pride March here in Melbourne recently didn't have police marching in uniform. Why is it so hard uh, for midsummer to kind of resolve this issue? Well. Look, I can understand that there's major differences in the community and I do empathise and really understand the arguments that, I guess, you know, the members of the community who are pro-police put forward. I understand that they feel like having the police there and marching at uniform in Pride is a way to both reform the police and also show the community that the police are more safe. So I do understand where they're coming from, but I think overwhelmingly what we're seeing at the moment is that having the police there in uniform currently doesn't make the whole community feel safe to go to Pride. And that is just where it becomes unacceptable to me because if Pride isn't for every member of our community, then 
who is it for? Uh, and, you know, my own personal experiences uh, organising pride marches in other places outside of, uh, I guess, the Melbourne CBD and St Kilda, is that that is a really difficult conversation to have with the police because it is a bit uncomfortable and it is confrontational by nature. And I think people have a lot of difficulty being able to go to someone in power and say, hey, I actually, I don't think you should do this. I don't think you should march with us in uniform. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have and and that's okay. But I think we have to be brave and we have to say it and we have to say it in good faith if we want to ensure that the police is reforming and becomes a safe government service for LGBTIQ people. Is part of this impasse because Midsummer hasn't made a decision and said, OK, you can march, but not in uniform? I mean, isn't it kind of up to Midsummer as the organisers of the event? Uh, I believe Midsummer have agreed that police can march in uniform. I'm not 100% sure on that one, sorry. Um I think the impasse really just comes from an ideological difference and a difference in how we feel we can change the community. And I think, you know, that's fine because when you are 10% of the population, you're going to have differences of opinion. And I think that we as a community just need to continue having this debate in good faith with each other. And my personal opinion is that we need to attach metrics Uh, to the police to ensure that they're actually improving their relationship with the community before we allow them to march in uniform again. Of course, there is a state election tomorrow. What are your thoughts on the campaign from an LGBTIQ policy perspective? I think it's been a really interesting campaign uh, for the LGBTIQ community uh, because in terms of, you know, I'll, I'll stick the conversation to the two major parties for now. In terms of the two major parties, what they've centrally said about our community and what their policy platform is, neither of them are bad. In fact, they're both quite good. We've had quite a good state government also for the last eight years, quite a progressive state government who's done a lot of reform for the LGBTIQ community. And the Pride Lobby has been very active in holding the Liberal Party to account as well in that we've gotten statements from the Liberal Party to say that they wouldn't wind back any of that legislation. So I don't think any anti-queer sentiment is sticking in terms of a central policy pillar for any particular party, not in the same way that it was in the federal election. And I think that's a very good thing in some ways for the broader queer community because, you know, we're not seeing these horrific debates play out in the media as we were with, say, the candidate for Warringah over the federal election. What I am seeing is interesting is that we have certain candidates in certain areas who are diverging really far away from party platform when it comes to queer issues. Uh, And in particular, this is playing out with some quite extreme candidates in the outer eastern suburbs who've been pre-selected by the Liberal Party. And there's one out my way for Western Metro for the Liberal Party. who are really expressing these quite extreme views about LGBTIQ people that aren't actually in line with what the party has said. So I think it's been interesting. It hasn't been a huge talking point of the election, which has kept our broader community safe. But at the same time, I know for queer candidates uh, and queer campaigners who are out, you know, doing the hard yards on the polling booth, it hasn't been a particularly fun election for them because they're getting these weird pockets of, you know, anti-queer sentiment. 
And I know Matthew Guy's making those commitments, but he would, wouldn't he, you know, very shortly out from the election that he's not going to, you know, wind back those anti-discrimination provisions, even though there's been some signalling that he that he may. But of course, if they lose the election tomorrow, he'll probably be rolled as the leader. And then if you've got these, you know, extremist candidates that are elected, that puts a bit of pressure on the party to move to the right, potentially, doesn't it? So everything's up for grabs. Yeah, potentially, and and that would be a poor move if they did it. I'm not saying that they wouldn't do it if they lose the election tomorrow, uh, because we know that uh, these kind of extreme conservative views are becoming more prominent uh, out in the branches of some yeah of some Liberal Party branches. So they could very much get the numbers and have a shift to the right. But I think it's a real testament to the way the queer community campaigns in Victoria and the way that we've been able to change hearts and minds and the amount of fights that we've won in the last 10 years out here that if the Liberal Party were to do that, then they would probably condemn themselves to the electoral wilderness for a very, very long time. I don't think most people in Victoria would really stand for that kind of behaviour. And I think that's why we've seen them show solidarity, for lack of a better term, in the last couple of weeks saying that, no, they wouldn't roll back any of those discrimination reforms because they know it wouldn't be popular to do so. Of course, the lobby has run the It Takes More campaign to get more queer candidates running for office. And there's been quite a few, uh, and also the allies as well, with people speaking out and saying that they're an ally and supporting the campaign. How would you rate how that campaign's gone? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly a big fan of it from the perspective of us providing resources for queer candidates. Uh, I know quite a few LGBTIQ candidates who are running, and they're not necessarily running in winnable seats, Um, and they're running, you know, for many different political parties. I know people running for the Greens, for Labor, for the Animal Justice Party, um, the Socialists, and... Even though we kind of see these parties as these large campaigning machines, these candidates don't necessarily get a huge amount of logistical support if they're just kind of running in an unwinnable seat that's not a priority. So I've really enjoyed, I guess, providing resources to those candidates and feeling like they almost have a queer family that they can fall back on, that's going to help them out, that's going to make sure that they're okay. And We've been able to provide, I think, some really good information for a few candidates out there, and I'd love to do it again come council elections and the next state election in four years' time. It sounds like you'd like to see more candidates who are queer in winnable seats. It sounds like there's not enough yet. No, there there isn't enough. Um, I mean, after this election, I think we may have uh, three or four. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but it would still not be representative of how big our community is uh, compared to the parliament. Like They would still only represent about 4 or 5% of the lower house. So it would be good to get them up to that 10% mark because I just think when you're passing any sort of legislation, it's always important to have diverse voices in the room because you never know what a government is going to come up with and how that might affect a community. And if you don't have someone in the room from that community then there's no one kind of overseeing it and making sure that that legislation is also going to be fair towards everyone, I suppose.
That's right, and the lobby's been resourcing the Trans Voices Group, who's been talking to politicians to get a seat at the table. But it sounds like we need to put more support into getting more gender-diverse candidates, especially in, in, in winnable seats. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't think I've seen a trans or gender-diverse candidate uh, run in a winnable seat ever. We do have a couple of trans candidates running in this state election, but generally in unwinnable seats. Uh, And it would be fantastic to see a trans or gender-diverse person actually go into the parliament. What I will say from being involved in the Trans Voices campaign, though, is I think the majority of people nowadays have encountered a transgender person and do have a basic level of empathy. So you never kind of know when you go into a room with an MP and you might you might be the first trans person that they've ever met. Or they might come back to you and say, a close colleague of mine was transgender and I worked with them for 15 years and I'm completely across this and completely on board. So that's always, you know, an interesting one to just kind of ask people how much they know. Austin Fabry Jenkins, the new co-convener of the Victorian Pride Lobby. Thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR. All right, thanks so much, James. Have a good day. You too. Cheers. And you are on In Your Face on 3CR, and here's Lauren Hill. Yo, 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 yo,
philosophy, possibly speak tongues, eat drums, Abyssinian Street Baptist, rap this and violin it. From the beginning, my practice extending across the atlas. I begat this, flipping in together on the dirty mattress. You can't match this, rapper slash actress, more powerful than two Cleopatra's. Bomb graffiti on the tomb of Nefertiti. MCs ain't ready to take it to the Serengeti. My rhymes is heavy, like the mind of Sister Betty. El Boogie Spars with stars and constellations. Then came down for a little conversation. Adjacent to the king, fear no human being. Roll with cherubims to Nassau Coliseum. Now hear this mixture with hip hop meets scripture. Develop a negative into a positive picture. Now everything is everything. What is meant to be will be. meant to be will be. Sometimes it seems, sometimes it seems, we'll touch that dream, we'll touch that dream, but things come slow and not at all, they come slow, yeah. and the ones on top, won't make it stop, so convinced that they might fall, let's love ourselves and we can't fail, to make a better situation, Wildlife Victoria is a non-profit emergency response service committed to assisting wildlife in need across Victoria. Our trained and dedicated volunteers rescue and rehabilitate sick, injured and orphaned animals so they can be released back to their native habitat. If you see wildlife that may need our help, please contact us on 8400 7300. To donate or register to become a volunteer, hop onto our website at wildlifevictoria.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Thank you. 
There of Mr. Co, otherwise known as Connor and Oscar, and they join me in the studio. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. It's a beautiful track, and I love that audio from your wedding. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> what a beautiful touch. Like, um, you obviously wrote the song together. Um, did you kind of just decide to add that at the last minute? Like, what's the backstory to it all? Yeah, well, we got married back in April. Um, we had four reschedules due yeah. to the uh lockdown Connor, Connor engaged Connor engaged to me when we went it was 2018 we yeah, went to Europe it's a while ago. we're in Milan and he engaged to me on the top of a on the top of a our Airbnb in the middle of a thunderstorm <laughs> it was absolutely unreal yeah, um, so because we had so much time because of the reschedules we were like <laughs> let's write a song for the wedding let's do it yeah. <laughs> so and we it's did beautiful it's yeah. absolutely Thank beautiful you, um tell us about the process for recording it well, look, it was all done in our home studio, which was really good. It kept mm. it really intimate for us. Yeah. Um, usually, Oscar will come up with a bit of the vibe and the feel of the music, and I'll go around away and you know write the melody, write the lyrics, lyrics and then we yeah. just kind of fuse it together. Yeah. Um, but Dominic from Protonaut Studios was our co-producer all the way over in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> so we he tu- he got in touch with us through TikTok, actually, and we started reaching out with him. We did a couple of Zoom calls, and he's actually the guitarist. So the guitar you hear is Dominic from Protonaut Studios yeah. doing a little bit of licks and, and adding that little bit of flavor in there as well. You guys really know what you're doing. This obviously <laughs> isn't your first musical adventure. No, no, no it's no. not. We've done, we've done heaps before we kind of released Mr. Co as a duo. Both yeah. Oscar and I personally together. Um, we met doing a, a, our school theatre production. 
<laughs> so we're doing hairspray. And really? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing Link and he played Corny Collins. <laughs> How long ago was that? Ooh. Oh, 2013. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math. It was like nearly nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so you've done heaps of music, heaps of recording, and it sounds like you've really drawn on some of your friends on this track as well. Yeah, well, well, Do- like I said, Dominic was reached out to us through th- uh, through TikTok, and that was really organic. He was he was a really really nice guy, and when we spoke to him about building the track, he really understood what we were trying to convey. And when he put his guitar on top, it was like the moment we heard it, we're like, yeah, that's it. Oh. We need that that that's what we needed. We yeah. that's what we needed in that song. But also, like for the both of us, you know, the tracks behind that song would be up to fourteen, fifteen, and yeah. We did 95% of it. Yeah. So, yeah. just the two of us. And it's so <laughs> novel, isn't it, to have a gay married couple releasing a track together. I mean, <laughs> has that happened before? I don't know. I don't we've, know. Actually, we've actually spoken about that. We've done some research and we haven't found yeah, it. Yeah, we can't find anyone. So, but yeah. we might be the first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think you are. I mean, I'm sure possibly there is someone out there, but it hasn't It hasn't kind of, you know, got the kind of traction if it has had. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no yeah, we're not. Yeah. We, we did. Like, Connor's right. We did. Did Google it. <laughs> no, we <laughs> couldn't, couldn't find anything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tell us about the music video. Yeah, so the music video is essentially a lot of the home video footage we got from our wedding day. Yeah. Um, so we had a we had a videographer roaming around there. Um, we also had a lot of our friends and behind the scenes footage that we sent off to an editor to kind of get it revamped for us. And yeah. um, we put the song to it. So that section you hear right at the end is actually the end of the music video. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get to see you get to see the good stuff. Get to see yeah. and hear it. <laughs> How exciting. Yeah. And it drops on the, on on December 1st. Yes, yes December that's right. 1st with the music wow. video on the 11th. Mm-hmm. And kind yeah. of what's the reaction been from kind of like the industry? Um look it's been good. You know, it's our first one. Um we're learning as we're going through and I think in this industry you learn from doing Mm, definitely. Um, but look, the, we've been getting some great responses from some publications, people wanting to review it, people interested in playing it. Mm. Um, we've actually got a review in an article done by Beat Magazine, which is coming out the day before the release as well. Um, so good traction, happy, satisfied. Yeah. Satisfied for our first, and we're excited to go even beyond after this one. 100%. Yeah, what's the plan? Yeah, um, so we're planning to do our second single around March, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Yep. Um, with our our first album being released yeah. towards the back end of next year. Yeah, we've got um, another single in there as well. I think we're going to plan to do that around the middle yeah, of the year somewhere. Yeah, we're sussing still it. Work, still working <laughs> on that. Um, but then... Big, yeah, big year next year. Big, yeah, big next, year. Year's, next year's <laughs> is kicking off. We're planning on doing yeah the, the, the two singles, the album at the end of the year. On This Journey is, 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 is the album name, and that's it's basically a conclusion of the last 10 years of us, of our life together. Together, yeah. So that's, that's essentially... So it's something we're kind of wanting to... A tradition we want to keep doing for the rest of our marriage, really. Yeah, yeah. Is every 10 years, do another volume and keep sharing our kind of journey together with the world. Yeah. What was it like when you discovered how well your voices go together? Look, it... <laughs> It, we've had eight years, eight yeah. years of practice. Yeah, we worked. We worked on it from the start. Eight, eight the years get-go. of eight years of practice does definitely help. Yeah, um, 100%. we knew we knew pretty young into it actually when we yeah. did hairspray and we, we were singing heaps. You know, back in that little studio that we had back then, and um, it just kind of worked. I came from that kind of classical rock. 
um, kind of tenor background and Oscar's the traditional crooner. Those are jazz, <laughs> big band, love like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. That's yeah. my vibe right there. And so. I was more Elvis, Aerosmith. So yeah. when you kind of fuse those two together, it might be a bit odd, separate, but combined, it makes this, which yeah. works. Yeah. It does work. Your voices go so well together Thank on you, the man. track. And it sounds like it wasn't always the case and you had to kind of work to create that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think, I think, you know, for, for both of us, like kind of said, like as, as we go through this you know, musical journey together, we keep learning things about our voices, about each other and, and about how, we, how we're going to develop our music. And that's been probably one of the biggest things through this process has been, you know, learning about how we're going to continue writing music and continue developing our sound. Because it's, I think we, we got a question recently in one of the reviews, it was like, how do you come up with or what do you place yourself in the genre? And we didn't really know how to answer that question because we were like, well, our sound's always continuously evolving. It's continuously growing and changing. And I think that's one of the best things about music is that it's continuously uh, uh, changing shape and, and you're, it's okay to do that. That's a, that's, a, that's a good thing to continue growing. And, and, and throughout, throughout the album, in all the different songs that we have in the album, you'll hear that we really play to our strengths. So mm. sometimes I'll be more of a feature and sometimes Oscar will be more of a feature. And instead of it being about who's going to lead more here or there, it's about what sounds and feels better. Mm. The um, vibe. The definitely vibe. the vibe and the feel is where we sit rather than picking genre. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So you've both got great musical backgrounds, but it sounds like you've got the setup at home with the studio and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that- we, we actually studied. Um, we've we've um, both got a bachelor degree in audio production (laughs) yeah we went to SAE Institute down in South Melbourne uh graduated there probably back in 2015 so we learned how to mix master and do all the behind the scenes stuff when it comes to music stopped it for a bit and never thought I'd actually use the qualification in my life and now we're doing this it's just all coming back to me the gear the gear we collected over time I'll I'll be honest that 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 like when we first met we started off with a you know a little crappy mixer and, and some PA speakers um, and we've slowly but surely acquired gear, bits and pieces, microphones, interfaces. M-M Pro Tools is a savior. Oh, dear, <laughs> get a door. Everybody get a door. <laughs> it must have made creating the album, this upcoming album, so much easier though, having all that equipment, you know, oh, having, having that autonomy. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's awesome that when we start all of our songs, in like the, when we start the track, that it starts in our session and it doesn't go anywhere. It stays mm. there from the start until it's completed. Yeah. So, like, you know, a, a session that might be labelled as Thursday Night Jam will one day be a single in an album, you know, in two to four years later. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. that's the cool thing. When you know how to do audio and you know how to record yourself well, then... Um, oh, all it, these all these ideas eventually become solid songs. Exactly. And you're your own bosses as well. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You get to create your own. Like, I think for us as well, like, you know, it's not a bad thing to have external people. I, I Like, both I of us it, agree yeah. collaboration is an extremely important part of, of music and creating music. But for us, when we were right, when, when we've been writing this album and stuff like that, it's all about... It, the vibe and the feel and making sure that if we can, if we kind of capture that little lightning in a bottle that even if it's like 30 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever it is, you're able to build off that. And that's why it's so good to have that all at home is because you're able to, you know, do it. And then three weeks later you come back to it and you go like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start back up on that 15 seconds or 30 seconds that I had beforehand. And that's why like Dominic from Protonaut Studios, we got him in at the end because I think when you've been working on a song for so long, mm. you just need that, 
that third opinion. Yeah, you know? yeah. We've got two opinions here, but you need that third opinion who's not as biased, is not as emotionally tied to come <laughs> in and just do a bit of the clean up for you. Yeah. Um, and it was really good. Like yeah, oh. when we heard that back, we were like, oh my Fine God. away. <laughs> it was absolutely unreal. Yeah. He, he did, he definitely did some magical work to it. So tell us about your songwriting. Like how do you write songs together? Um, it starts it's very authentic. Yeah, actually. it's very it's, it's very organic. We we start with a vibe, like Connor said before. We start with a vibe. So you know whether it's Connor singing a melody to me, or I I come to Connor. I've got some chords I've been tinkering with, and then we sort of expand that out into maybe you know uh, 14, 15, 16 bars or whatever it might be, and then I'll give a bit of it to Connor, and he'll start writing some melody and some lyrics and some and sort of arrange a little bit of the song, and I will build out the sort of structure of it and the arrangement a little yeah. bit more too. So I'll start working on a bridge, maybe some extra licks here and there, some, you know, We definitely sounds. start, split, start, split, yeah. and then we come back for the final, and when we get to the mixing... Um, and the final touches of it, it's we, we literally tag team. Yeah, so, tag, yeah. You know, we, we also work as well. This is now full-time gig. So um, we'll come home from work and Oscar will go for two hours while I'm finishing up some other tasks and then he'll we'll be swap. done and we'll I'll swap. An and he'll, yeah. Honestly, being a duo, that is the best part. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so do you both kind of like you to have a, a scrap of paper or, you, or you're typing stuff on your phone for lyrics? Like who's the who's the, who's the the writer of the lyrics the more? It'd be more me, <laughs> yeah. I, I suck with words. I feel I, I feel the music more than I, more than I can say the music. Um, well, he's... <laughs> To, to give Oscar some backstory, he's multi-musician. So he can play saxophone, guitar, keys, bass. He's so talented. I stick my finger in. I, I try and put my, my hands on just about everything to see what I can work out. But wow. Yeah, yeah. Connor, Connor writes a lot of the lyrics and a lot and, and, and the melodies and that sort of stuff. Um, we just play to our strengths. Yeah, we really. Re- we really do. Cause like, and I think what your weaknesses are, I'm pretty good at, and what my weaknesses are, he's really good at. So and we figured that out. We figured that out quite <laughs> early on. That was part of when we started this sort of mystico thing and working together musically. That was one thing we realized is that my strengths were his weaknesses, and his weaknesses, uh, his strengths were my weaknesses. So working with that has really helped us write music, write music really quickly and really easily. It's not been, it's not a stressful process of us like, you know, jumping on in front of one another or stepping on each other's toes. We don't have that issue because I let him cover the lyrics because I know that he's going to be good at it, and he lets me cover the music because he knows that I'm going to be good at it. So you play so many instruments. It sounds like you just, you know, have this habit of picking up an instrument and playing something and uh there'll be a tune and then you kind of add the lyrics to it and it kind of grows it builds yeah. from there mm. yeah Definitely. We, we try not to like they're like they're, there are songs that we've had for for ages and ages and ages and we just try and like it's like lego blocks type of thing like we kind of just build on top of it and if there's things that we don't like we take them away and then we put them back together again yeah. it's and if it takes a little bit more time then it takes a little bit more time i, I don't think it's uh we have our whole life. We've got a lot of time. Yeah, we've got a, we got a lot of time. <laughs> we've got, we got a lot, lot of time. time to do stuff. So, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's not about like trying to churn it out as quickly as possible. And I think, I think it's important as well, like while Oscar's building the foundation of the music, that I focus very heavily on hooks and finding those, you know, those ambience and those sounds and those repetitive things that will keep people kind of tuned in. Engaged. Yeah. And I think having that separation is really important because you get the bed of the music so raw and so well like well put. Mm. But you also have someone actively thinking about, you know, the hypnotic sounds that are in the song that keep people really engaged. Mm. Um and that's kind of 
really that's, why yeah. it works. That's how, that's how we kind of, it's, it's very organic. We try and keep it organic yeah. as well because I think that's, it's, it's made our music really, really good. Yeah. When's the album coming out? There's no exact date yet, but we do know that it's definitely going to be in the back end of next year. So yeah. it's going to be uh, from September. Somewhere, um, yeah. We do have, we've got two songs from the album. The album's looking like it's going to be an eight-track album with two bonus tracks. There are two tracks that we haven't completely finished yet because we wanted to kind of use this experience that we've been getting in the last few months um, to make it a little bit better. You know, mm. We always improve. We always get better at what we do. Um, and we really wanted these last two tracks on this album to be the post-wedding tracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> There's a wedding theme yeah. throughout it, really. How yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. Um, and it's good. It's good. There's so much content. When you've been together for so long, there's yeah. a lot to write about. Yeah, The good yeah. and the bad. There's yeah, 100%. No, no, no. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I think that's, that. like, for, for the whole album, like, that's when we've discussed what the concept is and how we're going to write it, what we're writing about, it's really about sort of covering our bases really and, and going through the last it'll next year will be 10 years um and funnily enough i think around about's the time that we release the album will be around about's the time that we started catching up yeah, ten, the theater ten years, yeah. so we'll actually it'll be like really succinct and really like in time perfect for um yeah. that and i know, think also when you're when you're coming out as a duo um as an artist and you're married you know You've got to be honest, and I think you've got to share a little bit. A few things are a little bit more personal and a bit more intimate because, mm. you know, we're married, and that's not a lie. So when we were sharing our music, we wanted to really, for our first single, we wanted to share something that was so special to us with people because mm. then when people watch the music video and listen to the song, they'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get it. And the timing's great. We've just had five years since, you know, marriage equality was voted 100%. in, you know, through the postal vote. Yeah. People are talking about, you know, uh, marriage equality a lot because of that 100%. anniversary and your single drops on the 1st of December. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. And yeah, it's, it's good. And we're, you know, we reflect on that all the time. We were, we were, you know, newly dating when the yes vote came in and mm. we're so blessed very, very lucky, very yeah. blessed and very grateful to be able to have those freedoms, you know, yeah. that everyone should have. <laughs> and also, look, we, uh, we like like Connor said, we're very grateful. We count our lucky stars. We have very supportive families. Mm. The people around us were really, really good to us. And then when we came out together, they were, they were with us and they supported us and they, and they were... They were, they got around us mm. and and, despite- and it, it really showed at the wedding. The wedding yeah. is a really big deal with our families. Yeah, it was massive. really loving and supportive. And you know we rescheduled four times, so <laughs> we had four chances to say no and call quits. <laughs> so we yeah. thought if we could get through COVID together, and you know <laughs> we could get through anything. Yeah, so, literally, literally. Fantastic. Well, Oscar and Connor, Mr. Co, congratulations on tonight. Drops December 1st. And thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR. Thanks Cheers. for having us.
Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.